I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, a part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say, the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports, which shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 59, maybe not a lighter approach episode in this one as the MLB season panic meter is on tilt. So we deep dive into where this went wrong. <clears throat> owners and uh then maybe some time for positive Je- positive jeff about the about the sixers and james harden uh email us at dse the podcast at gmail.com at dse podcast on twitter dse the podcast on instagram rate and review us five stars apple podcast to help other people find us if you give us a five-star review we'll read it on the pot and spotify has ratings now for podcasts so give us five stars there too with all that out of the way as always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who would never get locked out from this podcast, Tim Reinhardt. <laughs> Welcome, Tim. Well, that's that's just because the the owner of this podcast is uh, is a reasonable human being that uh, doesn't resort to borderline illegal tactics to force uh, people into a corner. Wow. That was wow. an indictment. Here huh? we go. Yes. To start us I like off. it. Yeah, let's start it off. Well, let's get into it because that, I mean, honestly, that's really the big news of the week, uh, unless you care about the NFL Combine, uh, hmm. which I don't really. Do you care about the NFL Combine? I mean, I sort of care about it, but I don't care about it as much as the lockout news. All right. So let's get into the lockout. Um, so just as a quick recap, uh, the MLB owners said that Monday was the deadline. Uh, and this is, we're being recorded on Wednesday. So last Monday was the deadline, uh, for losing games. If they didn't have an agreement by Monday, uh, they extended that till Tuesday because they were lying and thought that they were close to try to trick the players into agreeing to something. I don't know. It seemed like a long shot, but anyway, um, Tuesday came and went and MLB gave their last quote unquote, last and best offer that the players, uh, refused. And so MLB decided that they are going to cancel the first two series of the season. Uh, so that happened. Um, let's let's talk about it, Tim. Go ahead. Uh, start anywhere you want. You want to start right. so, in the past, in the I'll present, start, in the future. I'll start here that um, the only human being who has miscalculated more than Rob Manfred in the last week is Vladimir Putin. So okay, the, culture. Yeah. Okay. So um, here's the thing. Um, let, let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Uh, do you know okay. when the last work stoppage was? Was it two thousand and two? Two thousand. Two thousand two. It's been. It's. It's been longer than that. Oh, really? Was it 1994, 1994. the Cancel World Series? 1994 okay. when they canceled the World Series. Who were the players that uh, led that strike? Do you, you know? 
1994. Yeah, like maybe uh, maybe a, a, a headline player that was out in front of the cameras all the time uh, rallying the troops. I don't remember. Who's the commissioner? Uh, that was... Was that that was must have been pre Bud Seelig, no, right? That that was that was Bud. Okay. My point is, even though it, it was not as eloquently uh, <laughs> done there, is is uh, no one remembers the play. Like history will remember this as Rob Manfred's lockout. And if games are canceled, it's not going to be Max Scherzer and Francisco Lindor who are going to go on to be. Hall of Fame players, uh, nothing's gonna n- nothing's gonna be on on their uh, you know on their lap uh, or responsibility. This lies entirely on the owners and their designated uh, representative in this, Rob Manfred. And um, we can go all the way back to uh, he he needs to take a page as as I think you know. Like I've researched this stuff quite a bit. My my master's thesis was on the formation of the MLBPA and the first like major baseball or sports really labor action in uh, 1969, and Rob Manfred needs to take a page out of uh, Bowie Kuhn's book, who was a commissioner back then. Who was like, I'm I can't have a season not start on time on my watch, um, and. Uh, figured out a way to get the owners together. Now that that's just my, my initial take that he's, he's the, you know, the scapegoat right now. And, and I think it's a justifiable scapegoat. Uh, so I, right, that's, that's my first take. What's your, what's your thought on that? Okay. So, so a couple of things, I think, uh, Rob Manfred was chosen by the owners for this express purpose. He was, and and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Godfather, the movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. But the, he chooses a war consigliere. I can't say the word. You consigliere. Know? Consigliere. I, I think yeah, right? it's right. So, yeah. right. So when you want to go to war, you choose the war consigliere. Right. Right. So I think the owners chose Rob Manfred, who has been a part of labor negotiations in the past, as their commissioner for this express purpose. Uh, that being said, I don't think he's doing a very good job. I kind of feel bad for him because it's obvious that he was trying to get this job his entire life, and he's not very good at it. Right. All of that being said, all that being said, um, a couple other points in in, in there is that. Um, the commissioner that you referenced in 1967 didn't want to cancel games for, for me. And I'm, I'm sure for a lot of baseball fans, opening day is kind of like one of the big holidays of the American sports calendar, Super Bowl, March madness, first weekend, opening day, first weekend of the NFL. You know, these things are like holidays, right? They're, they're celebrated like, uh, they should be right. It's the coming of spring. It's the beginning of the baseball season. Everybody's playing. It's it's uh, you know an important touchstone, um, in my opinion. And to mess with that is is I think out of touch. Um, and I have a few more points, but I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go. Yeah. You go so uh, you you made a point like that. 
uh, back back in that the sixty nine holdout, and the commissioner didn't want to lose games, and uh, it does seem that. And, and I saw a, a player. I don't remember. Maybe it was Alex Wood. He seems to be one of the more active ones on Twitter, uh, who said something like, "The owners already know how many games they can go and yes. make a profit. They've excellent. Point. They've learned that, yeah. and so they are." Uh, and, and I guess there's speculation that that's probably somewhere in the realm of 20 some odd games. Um, so if, if that is true, then that suggests that they're willing to uh, continue the lockout until um, the end of April, it would seem. And I think a lot of that is is based on the TV contracts with the regional sports networks that they that each team has. Um, I remember around the bubble with NBA, I think that eight, eight or so games were chosen in the you know to, to do the rest of the regular season in the bubble for the NBA, so that they could get past a certain threshold of games shown on those regional sports networks to fulfill their contract. So it's probably something like you know. 85% of the games or whatever, you know, there's, there's a pretty common line probably for all of these that says, Hey, we're going to air this. You promise that we're going to air this many games at least. Yeah. And, uh, if they get past that number, then they get all of the contract. Right. So that is where their pain happens. And so they can go up into that point and not feel any, you know, quote unquote pain where the players get, uh, start getting paid on, on opening day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, if opening day passes and there's no games, they don't get paid, but the owners still get paid. So, so um, yeah. Now what all, all that, so that all would suggest what, I guess, let me add, like, what, what do you, what is the larger point in, in saying that, 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 that what? So, yeah. So let me, I guess this, this circles back to my bigger point that I have kind of jotted down throughout the last couple weeks or so is that this goes back to what I call the MBA ification of the ownership groups and the leadership in MLB. Okay. Whereas money is more important than anything else, right? Who cares if we win as long as we're making money, right? The Cubs slash payroll uh, they're still making money like n- nobody's business, right? Yeah. It doesn't, everything, who cares if we damage the sport long-term, but, you know, we're making money. That's what really matters, right? They, a lot of these newer, not newer owners, newer owners as of, uh, you know, weren't around in 1969 are, you know, of a class of people, billionaires and zillionaires, right? Who money matters so much to them to them you have to earn an insane amount of money to be in the class of person that can own right a a sports team and so your entire life has to be centered around making money for you to make enough money to have enough money to buy a team like sure. that, right so they take over the team and then well it's all about money i'm going to steal money from the local municipality to build my stadium that i get all the revenues from i'm making money Right. I'm going to buy cheap land around my stadium and turn it into entertainment district so that I can make more money. And I'm going to, 
uh, lock out the players and cancel some games because I don't care because I'm still getting my money, right? So I think that is kind of the the larger point I'm making is that they are not concerned about the sport at large. Right. They're not concerned about missing games because in that I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and that that point is very well articulated in the Jeff Passan article. Yes. Um, that came out, I, I guess, Monday night, if I remember right, which is they mask these proposals in the clothing of it's going to make the sport more competitive. It's better for everybody. And in reality, it's been nothing but it hasn't made the sport any more competitive. It's the sport is is just as the same. It's in fact inhibited players from making uh, from seeing a, a larger share or, or a continued, I should say, share of the the pie of money that comes into baseball. So really the owners are not interested in the product in terms of making it like they, they like to say we're doing this to make it a more competitive uh, a, a more competitive market well, that's not, that's just not really true. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything that should be believed um, at this point by, by the ownerships uh, or by, uh, by the ownership group that is negotiating. Yeah. And, and when have these guys ever wanted a competitive market? Like these guys want the most uncompetitive market they can find. That's the point, right? That's how they, you get a billion dollars is to be in an uncompetitive business. So I think you know, generally, um, you know, the one thing that, that we did hear also from Rob Manfred, which gets to their kind of the way that these guys think is he's like, well, everybody could have made more money if they just put their money in the stock market. Right. It's like right, this woe is like me. that was like, that was the worst. That was the worst thing that he could have said is like the horror that the owners could not be making the most money possible at all times. Right. Right. You own a, a, a baseball team, right? You should not be concerned about making money, the most possible money. The point of owning a team is, is apparently to make the most money possible for these guys, but it shouldn't be right. These are uh, public institutions in these cities. The fans were there before these uh, billionaires owned them and they'll be there after. So they are, should be stewards of the game and not trying to ghouls who are extracting the most possible money out of uh, a town and then, you know, leaving with their 150% profit, you know, after 10 years or something like that. The, the, the thing about like this whole notion that, um, that, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to own a baseball team. And uh, like that, that's, that's been an owner's line since, since organization or labor, labor organizers uh, entered sports. Like that is, that is the biggest joke that, uh, that could possibly, you know, that it frustrates me when, you know, I had this moment with, um, with some of my students, uh, you know, we're talking about it and like somehow the owners have manipulated the, the circumstance so much that everyone thinks that, like, well, I, I shouldn't say everybody. Um, 
but the casual fan thinks this is the player's fault. That like, I, I oh, think, it's so I think the hard casual to fan own a, own a team. Like, it, no, it's not. Yeah. You make so much money. You just look at these television revenues. It's absolutely absurd. The 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 ballparks. Uh, assuming that it's not um, it's not a um, like a, a circumstance where they're only selling a few thousand tickets a game or like a coronavirus. Well, even then they weren't like the 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 stadiums pay for themselves. They're self sufficient entities that that pay. I mean, that's why your ticket price is what it is. That's why your beer price is what it is. That's why your pizza or hot dog is because it's going to pay for the function. The money is all like the money is all in these TV revenues, and just look at some of them, and it's astronomical that that anybody might believe that it's it's tough to be uh, a major league baseball owner in terms of the financial uh, struggle that you have. I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that. Yeah, and and the the funny thing is is that out of one side of their mouth, they cry poor when they say, Oh, we don't make any money. You know, you know, if, if, a, if a, uh, you know, they s- selectively leak a, a, a sheet that says, Oh, you know, the, the company or whomever didn't make that much money. Um, but you know, somehow there's the, you know, secret accounting tricks, uh, of the NBA is in there, um, where all the money is siphoned off before you see the bottom line. But that all being said, right, we know that they make a ton of money, but they cry poor and they say, that, well, we don't make any money. This is not a profitable thing. The stock market would be better. Right. Um, but on the other hand, when they want these stadiums, they, they produce these glowing things, uh, these glowing reports to the city that that they want to bilk for all, all their worth is, is saying how much economic uh a boon the stadium is right. How much money is going to be spent? How many jobs and all of this, like out of one hand, out of one hand, you know, they're saying, well, you know, I'm not making any money, but on the other hand, they're saying, look at all this money we're making for your city. Right. They're, yeah. they're saying both things at the same time out of either side of their mouth. And it makes no sense. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay. So, well, so where do you want to take this next? There, I, I, I could talk about this for out for hours. Um, let's see, let's talk about, let's talk about where we go from here. Okay. That's a great transition because one of the things that people believe is that, well, the owners are better situated, um, to withstand this over the long term. I don't know that that's true either. Um, the players seem pretty, uh, pretty united here, and they, you know, they, there's this uh, passing article again. Also talked about like the the viral like screenshots that are going around of of Rob Manfred laughing during the press conference and like calling it a hunk of metal, uh, the the World Series trophy a hunk of like they they're they're doing a a very good job of uh, of keeping each other up to speed it would seem uh keeping each other um i guess uh i mean the, the thing that the major league baseball players association has done best since since its inception back in the 60s is communication and that is the founding that should be the founding principle of any labor organization is they need to be able to communicate and the players seem to have a a, a system in place that is working. 
Now, I don't know if Tony Clark is the most, uh, uh, the best guy uh, for the job, but certainly in, in, uh, to be like executive director, uh, but certainly they, they have um, some very strong voice, strong willed uh, individuals that are, that are in that room that um, I'm glad, for example, when I heard that Max Scherzer was a bulldog in negotiations. Well, it's about freaking time. Uh, like you shoved it back in these, in, in their faces. Like that's to, to me, I think the, where we go from here is I think the players are, I think they're dug in and I think they're dug in more so than the owners, because while there is probably a mechanism, 20 some odd games, like that's an average. What if it goes longer than that? Somebody's going to break and, and the owners like, stand to lose quite a bit if it gets to 30 games somebody's gonna crack and they you know it it's uh believe it or not it's almost easier to hold together a 12 in this scenario it seems like it almost is easier to hold together a 1200 person union than it is 30 owners to stay uh to stay uh, to hold the line the same way and and i think to your point there i think the precipice uh for the owners is higher, lower, deeper, um, where, you know, if that, uh, TV contract is at risk of dropping off, that is much, you know, that is a big drop off versus the players losing, you know, their weekly paychecks, right. That, that kind of stair steps down. Right. So their pain from day, let's just say, you know, the, the line is day 30, their, their pain from day 29 to 31 is the same as from one to three. So I think there is that line. I, I, you know, I don't want to get into uh, uh, game canceling, you know, bingo here, but yeah. I, I think the, the players also think that they can get ready for the regular season faster than the owners think that they can. Yeah. And so the owners were using that canceled games thing as a threat to say, Hey, you're going to lose games. So you're going to lose paychecks. And the players just said, you know what? We can get ready faster than that. So I think, I think they learned that. And, and, and to, to, uh, sort of to that point, the owners are their own worst enemy. They proved that in 2000 when there was that like expedited summer camp slash spring training thing. Um, and, uh, baseball went on. Like, so the, the owners put themselves in this box and it's almost like the players learned a lot, uh, in that year. They learned, they learned their negotiating tactics too. The, the, the players learned like, remember 2000, like, uh, I, I wish I had the numbers at hand somewhere, but it was something like, um, the, the owners were trying to say, we're going to pay you X percent of your salary over, like 85 games, say. I don't remember if that was the number, but let's say it was. And then the players were like, no, not 70%. That's not how this works. And then they're like, all right, well, we'll pay you 100% for 60, which was like basically saying, offering you three plus three, and then you saying no. And then you're like, well, how about two plus four? Right. So like the the, the play, which, which I, I now, now I'm going a mile a minute here, uh, which by the way is, borderline illegal like 
you have to actually negotiate in good faith. If you're not doing that, it's a federal, you could, they have a a legal, uh, by federal law, have a legal obligation to negotiate in good faith. And they're not doing that. Well, they already got their hand slapped from one of the other negotiations from the NLRB because they weren't actually, uh, I think they, uh, their last best offer wasn't really their last best offer, right? They said it was, but it wasn't. I think you that can't was even say that, Jeff. You can't yeah. say my this is our last best offer. That's that's literally the definition of well, like what think about the that those words. These are this is my last offer. That means there's no more. That means I'm not budging from this point. You can't say that in a labor negotiation. I mean, right. that, that is that's against the law. So I I I thought and I actually I don't know why they did this. If I'm if I'm the MLBPA yesterday, um, I'm I'm shouting that from the mountaintops. They said this is their last offer. I, and and whoever the spokesperson was, the, the one person that I didn't know in that press conference uh, was saying, "Well, we we assume they mean uh, before the deadline." Well, don't assume anything. If they said this is the last offer, then say that. So right, and they want to they want to use that that uh, mechanism so that just like they did in 2020, where they unilaterally decided on the rules without the the players' input, right? They unilaterally decided on the games and the yeah. DH and all that stuff. Um, that's what they are uh, ham handedly trying to do. Um, it's not working, right? Because they've already been called on it once, and they've been called on it this time as well. Because it's it's as you said not what they say it is. Um, and I guess like, how about, how about this part MLB network, like cutting away from the MLBPA's press conference? It's like, who do you think you're fooling? Like, the, the, I don't know. The whole thing is just from the, it, it's, it's petty. It's, uh, uh, it, it's, no, just it, it, like, what are you trying to, like whitewash the what you're doing by not by not showing this on 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 your own network that it just is that that part is also ridiculous right i, I mean i think it also lays bare who owns the mlb network right, right? mlb you know it's not a yeah. it's not a network about baseball it's a propaganda network for the owners of major league baseball right they that is what it is. It would be like CNN uh, not covering the like, the like, Chris Cuomo scandal. You know, wow, two two politics references. Yeah. in this podcast, I love like, it. Like, which I don't know. I I I've, I've honestly been detached from most news recently, but like maybe they did. But that that's like, you're you're a baseball news agency essentially and you're not covering you're not covering the news right it would be like that i mean nfl network has a similar uh issue and i think they handle it a little bit better where they 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 cover the those scandals that affect the nfl um you know but again the nfl network is is not a independent network covering the nfl it's an owned by the nfl so if they needed to pull the plug on something they would definitely pull the plug on Mm -hmm. something um, and that's that's certainly what happened here. So let's let's then go towards a couple of things um, that are more on the field that I want to talk about. Um, 
first is, you know, one of the things that looks like it probably will happen is universal DH. Um, what's your opinion on that? Bringing that to the NL. Um, I am, I don't know. I, I like, I'm one of those weird fans that enjoys the pitcher hitting. So, um, you know, I, I don't love it, but I understand that I'm in the minority. Put it that way. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm in, I'm in kind of the same boat as you mixed feelings. Um, I think the fact that the, the game being nine players on the field, those nine players batting is the, a pure thing to me, right? You have nine players on the field, they go into the dugout and they bat, right? That's Those are the players that are playing. Not 10, not nine and a half or however you want to call it. Um, but I think the fact that the AL has had the DH and the NL hasn't is preposterous that you're playing with different set of rules in two different leagues. Yeah. That, that are in the, you know, in that the hasn't league. bothered me um, as much for whatever reason. I kind of, I, I sort of like that quirk. I, I do understand that the players, you know, that's another, that's a roster spot. That's a, not only is that a roster spot, that's a, that's a 15 to $20 million roster spot. Right. right. And, and for, and, and usually for a veteran, an aging veteran who can't play in the field anymore. Right. That, that, so it, it, it elongates careers and, um, you know, so I can understand why they, why they would want that. So, yeah. So kind of understand it, but don't like it. That's, yeah. That's it's not, it's not, for, it's not my favorite. Like I, I kind of like, well, I like the, the strategy element that the, that the, pitcher hitting represents like, well, you know, I guess just even the discussions that occurred however long ago it was when Tony La Russa started batting the pitcher eighth and right. there, you know, there were thoughts and, and questions about, well, is that, um, you know, is that uh, more strategic, you know, things like that I, I find fascinating. Um, but I understand that that's not the, certainly not the norm. Right. And, and with, with the, with with that said, like I think there's more strategic changes necessary with a pitcher hitting. Um, you're doing you know a bunts or sacrifices or uh, double switches and stuff like that, which kind of um, gets uh, shakes up the games a little bit, ch- changes the strategy. Each team can play it a different way, and I think I always like to see the different teams having different strategies. Um, whereas the DH makes it a little bit more vanilla, so to speak. Every team puts their, you know, home run and walk and strikeout guy in a DH and he hits a home run or he walks or he strikes out. And then, you know, you do it again next time around through the order. Yeah. All right. So the, the other piece, I guess, is something that they're haggling over uh, is the expanded playoffs. So, the the playoffs as they stand now, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, is three divisions, two wild cards, so five, ten, ten in ten total, right? Right. So you got the two, yeah, yes. There's three divisions, there's two wild cards in each league, so that is uh, ten teams total. So uh, there are trying to, the owners are trying to, because the um, the playoff revenue is theirs and theirs alone. They don't have to share it with the players. Uh, and this is pretty similar to every other league. 
um, which is why you see expanded playoffs in a lot of different places. Um, but going to 12 or, or even 14 teams, um, what is your thought on this? Um, well, this, this goes back to some of the, like, who's this good for? It's good. It's good for the owners, right? And it's good for them making money. That's is it good for the players? Good for. I don't think it's good for the players. I, you know, I I think the the. I'm sorry if I'm taking up your your segment time here, but the the it's not good for the players because more teams making the playoffs means less teams that are going to spend right on that extra player, right? And say, oh, I want to get from, uh, I don't know. Uh, 80 wins to 100 wins. Um, that's a big jump, but you know what I'm saying? Like 80 to 85 wins by signing this guy, or I'm not going to because 80 wins is enough to get into the playoffs and then we'll see what happens, right? Um, that discourages teams from trying hard. Um, and, you know, I think baseball argues that expanded playoffs are good uh for the fans because fans like the playoffs like playoffs like playoff games but i i always think back to this past nfl uh season where the first round of the playoffs were dreadful absolutely dreadful weekend of of, of football it was playoffs so we watched it but every game was pretty bad because the sixth and seventh well sixth and seventh team pretty much didn't belong in the playoffs um so there was no reason for them to be there other than for us to watch them get blown out 40 to 10 um, baseball. You know, obviously there's a little variation there, uh, a little uh, you know, um, variability, anything can happen kind of thing. But uh, I, I don't, I don't think expanded playoffs are good f- for anybody except for the owners. I agree. Long, with that was a long winded answer to your yeah, question. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's kind of what I agree with. So right now to make the playoffs, you need probably 90 wins. That's that's a, would you agree that that's a fair Yeah, that's usually the, that's usually the mark you shoot for, yeah. Okay, so now if there's whatever more teams, you only need 85. So, right. I, I I'm interested what is 14? I don't know have they released what the 14 um team like what it would look like? No, I don't. I don't think they've agreed on that, and I think the players have submitted some kind of, um, you know, um, different ideas that would benefit the teams at the top, right? Different playoff ideas that would benefit the teams at the top, so that it, it would make the teams try to be at the top, right? So yeah. kind of that um, you get an advantage um, rather than just having a regular five game series where anybody could win. Um, give it an advantage to the team so that they will actually try hard. So I don't, I don't think they've laid it out. I think there's just the owners want to expand it to 12 and to 14. Um, there's no kind of um, how it will work as it has been proposed other than just kind of things thrown over the fence. Yeah. So I, I did see something that was sort of cool, I guess, like from a just purely, it would be a neat thing where like, you know, the highest, the team with the highest record already moves on. Then, like, the next three will choose their opponent among the lowest three, you know, something like that. So, who knows if that's true. And they would play, like, a, a two out of three, and then you'd have four teams from there. 
Right. Yeah, and I think I think uh, baseball or the baseball players association has proposed some different um, situations where like um, it's it's kind of almost like the play in a little bit. Like the lower seeds have to win two in a row right. um, to 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 get through. Um, and, and just uh, back to just that raw number. If you look at twenty twenty one, you know, there's five teams in the American league that made the playoffs. If they expanded it to seven, which would be a 14, uh, that would put in the, the blue Jays at 91 and 71, not too bad. And the Mariners at 90 and 72. So, right. That one doesn't seem so bad. Those teams are good. I would say probably. Um, but if you go over to the national league, you are then going to seven, you're letting in the Phillies at 82 and 80. Um, who, as I know, living in, Philadelphia area, they had a pretty bad season. Um, and the Reds at 83 and 79, who we have watched in the NL Central all year, are not really that good either. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like just like most things that, that we talk about, you can look at each year and, and have an argument for or against it based on that one year. But I think overall, you're going letting more mediocre teams into the playoffs is never never a good thing right um yeah so um, I, I don't love it i i i like the way it is now with the with the one playing game um so i i don't and I, and i don't love it that i guess the one thing that i do like about it is that it does have the potential to bone uh to to um prevent the owners from running roughshod over canceling games because the players will, this will just become another thing. The players will just say, um, all right, well, if you don't reinstitute the games, we're not doing a, an expanded playoff this year. That's fine. So like right. it, 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 it at least can serve as a negotiating tactic uh, for, for the players. Yeah. And it's definitely the, one of the big things that the owners want to get. Right. And they probably will get it. And the the players will probably trade something for that. And that's how negotiations go. And that's probably how it will end up. And we'll say, ah, crap, it's expanded playoffs. Okay, fine. Right. Right. It'll, it'll be, um, you know, I, I think, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll end on this, but I think the, 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 the joy of the baseball season is its length and how it's, pretty much constant from spring to fall, right? That 162 games should matter. Then if it doesn't matter, if half the teams make the playoffs, then why are you playing under Exactly. Games? So that changes the sport entirely. Yeah. Um, and kind of the, the rhythm, the cadence, the, what people enjoy about the sport. Um, so, uh, that that is the risk that the owners run in general, right? That people will be like, "Well, screw it, I'm not watching. Uh, I'll catch up in the playoffs, right?" Because every team is in the playoffs, <laughs> yeah, um, right, and, and miss out on that kind of uh, that that fan uh, engagement that that they need to keep number one the, those TV revenues up, right? If if people aren't watching, you know, those things are not going to keep going up like they have. Um, so, so that is certainly a risk for the owners as they, um, you know, try to scrape as much profit as they can together in the short term. Um, yeah. All right. Any, anything else on this? I think we've, we've yeah, we've I talked mean, enough it's, probably, I, but, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, the what do you like? Um, I guess well, let me end. On, let me end on this. Tim. Yeah. Um, I think you made the point that uh, you the common the common folk, I guess, p- people casual fans who aren't paying that much attention are on the owner's side. I think most people who aren't paying that much attention are kind of on the pox on both their houses. I just want to watch baseball. Why can't they just agree? Why are they both so greedy? I just want to watch baseball. Just have them agree, which, you know, I can understand that to one thing, but, and I think we obviously on this podcast are uh, a uh, players sided podcast in general. Right. Right. Um, The players are the reason that we watch. Right. I don't want to watch to see the trophy handed to an an old crusty owner who just sat in the luxury box drinking daiquiris all game. Right. I want to see the trophy handed to the players that were on the field that earned it. They're the reason that I tune in. They're the players that they're the people that are on my fantasy team. I don't have an owner's fantasy league. Right. That's ridiculous. Uh, It's all about the players. So I, and it was in Jeff Passan's article, um, which I think summed it up pretty well. And I, that's just, this is kind of the point that I want to end on is that uh, for me, I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk to him. Yeah. Um, is that if you replace the 1,200 players uh, in baseball, right, that's the membership of the union with the next 1,200 best players, the product on the field would be terrible, right? You know, it'd be like, uh, sub, uh, I don't know, uh, Caribbean league baseball, right. Uh, the, the, you know, the spring training back games on the, with the guys that are 17, 18, just drafted. Yeah. It would not be um, good. And, but if you replace the owners with say the next 30 billionaires, the next richest 30 billionaires, there's no change at all. Who cares who signs the checks? Those guys do not matter at all. Just sign the checks, get out of the way. Uh, well, let me, I, I won't say that, but if you replace them with the next 30 best business people, right? Men or women, let's get some women in there. Let's see if they have any better shot at it. Um, you know, the game doesn't change at all. So I'm on the side of the players. And, 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 because... Sorry. And he said, it might actually get better. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that yes. was the, the, the great dig of it all. Right. Exactly. So, you know, the players are why I watch the players are the people that I'm drafting on my fantasy baseball teams. Um, that's why I'm on the side of the players. So um, there you go. So I'll, I'll say a couple things in, in um, I guess in summary, just to come back to my original point. Um, everyone's going to remember this is Rob Manfred's uh, bungling. And if we look at his tenure as commissioner, here's what I will tell you what I remember and like, I, I think I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I think you'd say I'm one of the bigger baseball fans that you know. Like, yep. So of all the things that I could remember, like I, I, I'm drawing from a fair, like a wealth of uh, a wealth of like baseball experiences since Rob Manfred became commissioner. Here's what I remember about him. I remember he was very likely, like I'm 99% sure, and I think everybody else is absolutely intoxicated when giving the um the home run derby award um i forget what year it was um uh to uh was it Corey seager that won it somebody won it. he's he's out there slurring his words makes no sense it was 
an absolute embarrassment. So I remember that. I remember okay. the way he handled the Houston Astros cheating scandal um, and how he debased the entire idea of winning a World Series with his comment, it's just a hunk of metal. I remember the negotiations during the coronavirus uh, thing when all everybody wanted was baseball. The owners uh, threatened to basically not have one. Um, And it was Rob Manfred on an ESPN, I think, interview that, that said that. And now this. So I think it is in the owner's best. My, I, I know that he was hired for this express purpose. Um, he, it is in the owner's best interest at this point. And I never say these things lightly because, well, you know, Rob Manfred's going to be fine. He's made a lot of money in his, in his day. Uh, it's in the owner's best interest to move on. They, they need to wrap this up and then six months from now, Fire Rob Manfred. Make it look like there's no connection. Do whatever you got to do. It doesn't matter. He needs to go. He is a, uh, t- to the point where he's now a, um, just his presence in the negotiations is having a negative influence. Um, personally, and I know this would never happen, I'd love to see the owners go back. Uh, we all know that that the uh, that the commissioner is an employee of the owners. Like, that is... That is a fact. We understand it's not an impartial arbitrator that that's you know looking out for the good of the game. No, no, no. They're an employee of the owners. Having said that, it's been a very long time since baseball has gone outside of their ranks for a commissioner. They used to do that all the time. Uh, the first commissioner, um, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, was a judge uh, for a long time. Uh, Commissioner Happy Chandler was a Democratic uh, politician from Kentucky. They hired an Air Force, a retired Air Force general. Uh, I forget his first name, but but his last name was Eckerd. Like I I actually think that would do a lot of good if it was a non-baseball person. Still works for the owners. I'll obviously that's the way it's going to be. Um, but Bud Selig was an owner. Rob Manfred is a labor, a labor lawyer who worked his entire career for baseball. Like these guys, um, in no, in no way put on the face that they're actually in it for the good of the game. It's not, it's, it's, it's just a, it's become a joke at this point. So what I would like to see the owners do is go that route. Hire somebody that's still going to work for you, still going to advocate for you, and 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 do all you need, you know, whatever. Um, but get somebody from outside the ranks um, that isn't so embroiled and knows knows when to hold various different people on the ownership side accountable. Because I think one thing that that maybe I don't know if you agree with this or not. Rob Manfred's not going back and telling any owner to you know shut the f up. Because we need to do, we need to move on this. He's he's gonna just roll over and do whatever those guys want, which I think you actually want more of somebody that's a challenger to you in this scenario than someone that's just gonna just like go out there. Uh, the owners, I mean, the, you want someone that's gonna challenge your perspective 
more so than someone that's just going to go out there and, and roll over and do whatever you want. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think they, they should want uh, a challenger, but you know, these, these are billionaires. They want a yes man and that's what they get. So um, not surprising that that is what happens. So um, let's, move on. Hopefully we do not have to talk about this next week and they right. have an agreement and we can talk about new baseball rules or something. Um, but uh, we may still have to talk about it, but I wanted to go deep, deep dive on this today. And I think we did. And that's great um, because I think both you and I had, had, uh, had resentment building up inside, inside our chests that we wanted to get out. So this is good. Right. But by um, the way, what's your ra- rating on the meter? I mean, the meter's on tilt. I mean, the panic is the the panic button has been pressed. You know, they MLB says they're canceling games. So yeah, I'm at a is, nine on that. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, you know, if ten's the top, you know, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, the uh, cartoon character puts the thermometer in his mouth and the the mercury pops out of the end. Yeah, you know, that's kind of how that's kind of how I'm feeling on it right now. Um, so because the the panic was the possibility of games being canceled. And that's where we are now. We're, we're past that point pretty much. Um, so that's the panic. Um, so be- I guess before we go into my, uh, my positive Jeff, is there, is there anything on what I talked about last week, Olympics, Super Bowl, uh, that you wanted to, that wanted to mention quickly here? Yeah. I, I mean, um, I think to- we're, we're, removed enough away to not not beat a dead horse um on on the super bowl and um i think the olympics were widely a i guess a a, a, i don't want to call it a dud um but yeah it was definitely missing yeah you know and so I, I think that that sort of was a mild disappointment. Um, you know, everything that happened with the figure skating stuff is is going to be there for probably years to come as we unravel, or as as you know, whoever unravels the craziness that is the uh, the Russian Olympic Committee. So you know, th- th- there will be time for that. I I guess I, I on Olympics kind of felt as it went on meh yep so um yep. I, I i so i guess in that in the spirit of of your question i don't have much to add okay okay um and that's fair i think you know i, I felt the same way uh the one thing that i highlighted last week was honestly my favorite thing um and it was kind of just like a side thing um that just happened to be on live uh, on us tv in prime time uh that turned out to be very uh inspirational so if you didn't check out last week's, you can check out my my uh, chat about my new favorite sport, snowboard cross. It, that, um, and that is cool. Like, yeah. th- that is a cool sport. I, I just wish that – and I come back to – all right, so I guess I do have something to say. Like, okay, I come back to what we talked about ahead of time. Like, what were the prevailing narratives heading into this? And, like, there, there wasn't – there really wasn't anything. And – even though there were like those moments where there was some cool stuff that happened or some, I guess I'm trying to come up with a word for the, for the, uh, skating debacle. Dramatic, dramatic. Uh, yeah. just like absolutely sad too. Sad things that happen. 
Um, it certainly made me. I, all right, I'll, I'll go here since I seem to be, you know, just all over the place today. There is like there's something to be said about. All right, I used to love the Olympics when I was little, like winter, summer, all of it. You know, I watched like VHS tapes that you know the whole thing. There's something to be said as an adult watching a teenager compete on an international level in front of the world and something that doesn't seem right about it. Yeah. I, I think especially, yeah, with the young ages, I think as you get older, you kind of realize how young that is when you're, when you're that young, you're like, Whoa, this person is like my age and that's cool. Um, but when you're older, you're like, well, this person is half my age. When I was that age, this is how I felt. What, you know, why is this person up here doing that? Right. Um, and I think to, to your other point about uh, the Olympics itself, I think uh, COVID still hovered over everything, right? Like a dark cloud, you know, the stadiums were empty. Um, I think there were some fans in certain outdoor things, but it wasn't, wasn't full and it and the indoor things were like pin drop quiet for the most part um so i think that kind of still uh, affects your viewership of it um it doesn't look like a celebration it looks like a quiet uh performance that is not necessarily as exciting because you don't see the fans there as well i guess in the same way that sometimes I think about, like, when I'm watching college football, like, and I watch, you know, a Ohio State defensive lineman jump off sides, and I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, that kid's 19. Like, yep. Uh, this is even worse. Than, like, I, I mean, my students are this age, and they are incredible people, and they, I mean, it's just that they, they, I mean this in the, the kindest way, like they struggle enough with like taking a history test. And here we are watching, criticizing, commentating, uh, doing all this stuff for a 15 year old girl. And that's what she is. She's a girl. Like not, not, not even, you can't even say like young woman at that point. Um, and, and, and making judgments about what she did, her decisions, uh, and it, it's actually in a way kind of, I don't know, it doesn't sit right. So, so that's something I thought about with the Olympics. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that didn't, didn't quite sit right. So. Um, and I think that was a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that, uh, just, just made it feel less, less, uh, less of a sparkly Olympics and more kind of like a, oh, this is reality, sad reality. Yeah. Olympics. Right. Um, all right. So I guess onto the, the last, we got, we're almost at an hour. So let's, let's talk five minutes for my positive, uh, positive Jeff stuff. Um, James Harden, obviously last week I talked about traded to the Sixers. We talked about the possibility yep. a couple weeks ago. Um, he's played two games now. There's a third game going on right now. Um, Are you recording and- it? Are you doing anything that you need to, cause I've had it on in the background the whole time. It's, it's, it's been on in the background. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
you know, it, you can tell me spoiler alert what the score is because it's behind me. Um, I think they're up by 10. They're winning. Uh, yeah, they're winning fairly handily. Okay. Um, so obviously they played Minnesota and the terrible Knickerbockers twice. Um, but the one thing that I was not concerned about, but interested to see was how Harden would mesh with Embiid. Embiid didn't necessarily like running a pick and roll as the roller. Um, and two games in, he's rolling a lot. Like almost every play that he and Harden are in there, they're just running the pick and roll. And uh, it is devastating, right? It just ends in a, a foul like 50% of the time or an open three-pointer or an open dunk. So they're making or, or it open, work. Or an open and jumper. And, and I think that is very encouraging to see because – um, Embiid hasn't wanted to do that before. And now, um, two games in, they're just picking it up. The thing that I love, I'm just going to quick thing about pick and roll is that pick and roll is the run pass option, uh, of, of the NBA, right? So you have, you have two players, uh, one runs a pick for the, um, the ball handlers, uh, defender, which gives, uh, basically kind of a two on two, uh, type offense, but with that player that is, is picked, then you have uh, a two on one offense. If the, if the pick is, is good enough. And then, um, that gives options for the ball handler to pass, to shoot, to, to dribble, um, and then forces other defenders to make choices off of their, uh, player that they're guarding and then gives open, uh, places everywhere. So as long as you have somebody that's running the pick and roll, who is capable at seeing the court and passing and shooting, uh, and dribbling, really, if you can do all three of those things, which the Sixers have never had somebody who can, and James Harden can, um, it's a devastating, uh, offensive weapon and everybody in the NBA runs it except for the Sixers never ran it until now. So it's amazing to see in my opinion. And I love watching a, a, a good pick and roll. It's so fun. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's good basketball, uh, and it's I, I guess it, it solves a lot of the um, or not solves it, it answers a lot of the questions that that we had. I don't know. I guess it was three weeks ago now when we initially started talking about like will this will this work? Um, will it make? I, I think we we asked this. Will it make um, Embiid better? And from everything you're saying, it seems like, yeah, the answer is yes, it's happening. Yeah. And I, th- I think both, both we thought, you know, and I thought both players obviously needed the, need the ball and want to kind of dribble into their offense. But if they can run that pick and roll together, then both of them can have the offense uh, working together and finding open looks for each other. Um, and I think so far that has certainly been the case. And so that's encouraging to see. Now, is there um, like an adjustment that, uh, that an opponent team can make now, now that they've seen it, however many times. So there's lots of different ways that teams can defend the pick and roll. And I'm not going to go into all of the different ways. Um, but so far with Minnesota, terrible defense and Nick's terrible team, neither of them are doing a very ingenious job at it. So I think as, as we see different defenses i think they play miami at some point miami is a really good defense um see them play it in different ways um we'll see if there's a certain way that makes it stoppable i don't know if that's the case because there's always going to be an opportunity i think the pick and roll defense 
is played so that you give the other team the opportunity that you want. And uh, if if one of those op- any of those opportunities happen between Embiid and Harden, you're going to have a, a a good offensive possession. So we'll we'll see. I went from cautiously cautiously optimistic in two games. The first game took off that first cautiously. The second game took off that second cautiously. I'm just playing optimistic. All right, now you're now um, you're one and. Well, I guess the the lead shrunk a touch here, but they're still in decent control here in this uh, in this game. Yeah, I mean the the you know, those NBA games go up and down. I think that they played the Knicks just on Sunday, and the game was pretty close actually until the last five minutes. So I think those those last five minutes will really be the 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 tail um, with with these NBA games yep, as always, as usual. Right? Yep. All right. I have one more thing is that uh, we talked about the combine. Um, we are a week and a half away from selection Sunday. Very much looking forward to March Madness this year. Um, is there anything else that you are looking forward to this week? Um, a deal. A deal being made that's not going to not gonna cancel any games and that's going to bring us opening day maybe not the exact date that we thought it was going to be but is going to give us an opening day and and a full schedule of games okay as i type uh all right so let me see if i (laughs) i see if i type that all out as everybody listened to me type wonderful television here uh, (laughs) on the dse the podcast that's right all right so keep your eyes glued to a deal being made that's not going to cancel any games and give us an opening day and a full schedule of games. Oof. And keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Out. All right. Do you, do you think that they could squeeze in 162? Of course they can squeeze yeah. it's, it's a matter of if they'll... It, it, yes. I mean, this is a matter of if uh, the owners want to do it. Don't get me started. I mean, like... It, it is it is so outrageous, um, you know what what is happening. It, the forty three day gap. Um, the I you know I, I should have went went into my research and found this, but there's like an old. I remember like finding a quote from um, from uh, an owner that was like, "Soon it's not going to be beneficial for for us to own it too many." It was like from like this is this is their this is the same thing they've said over and over and over again. It's just getting tired and you know it it's, it frustrates me when I hear people say uh, millionaires and billionaires because that's not really and you, you kind of indicated this morning like it's not really what it is like it's it's workers and owners and just because they have a. Eleven billion dollar industry doesn't mean that the workers are not aggrieved. 